And so when you have the homeowner's policy, you want to make sure that you have good coverage for your contents. But if you have a, a an investment property, most of the time you don't have very many contents. So the coverage for contents is less. Okay. Because if I have a rental property, I might have a washer dryer in there. I might have a refrigerator, but that's about it. Everything else is part of the house. The HVAC system is built in. It doesn't come, it doesn't fall out when I shake it. Right, right. Okay. Um, so those things are covered under the dwelling. Welcome to the Got Your Six Real Estate Podcast. In the military, Got Six means I've got your back. If you're a real estate buyer, seller, investor, or anyone who is committed to the Got Your Six mantra, ensuring that every client, neighbor, and community member feels supported in the property journey, well, you're lucky enough to find yourself in the right place. My name is Kevin Anazok, and I'm your host. Each week, we talk with successful real estate experts, veterans, and community leaders who are willing to share their insights, trade secrets, and mindsets that help them to succeed. There's no fluff, there's strength in the point content that prioritizes one thing above all, your success. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to the Got Your Six podcast. Today we have Bob Tassone. Welcome, Bob. Welcome, welcome to you. Uh, Bob is a man of many talents and services that he provides. Uh, he actually is part of our team here at Alcoba Mortgage. He is a licensed loan officer. Uh, but today we're uh, we're chatting about mostly his primary vocation. So I guess Bob, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, what services you offer, everything we need to know about Bob. Well, I'm a, I'm a multi-line independent insurance agent, and so what that means is I started out as a life insurance agent, and then I started branching off into employee benefits. And then uh, we came to the point where we had clients asking us about property and casualty. So I started doing property and casualty insurance. And so then you start working with businesses and you start working with individuals. The next thing you know, you're a multi-line agent. And I've been at it for over 30 years. So I know a little bit about a lot of different kinds of insurance and some kinds of insurance I know a lot about. So how'd you get into insurance way back when? Well, you know, I was only like 10 years old, I think. Um, when I was in college, I was interested in marketing and sales, and I was interested in media. But at the time, I could not get a job as a media salesman, an advertising salesman, and I needed a job, so I took a job as a life insurance agent. Okay. Because I was told that the life insurance salesman is the greatest salesman in the world. Interesting. And when you start out as a life insurance agent or salesman, you are a salesman. I mean, it takes it takes salesmanship to survive as a life insurance agent, especially early on. But the more that you do insurance or mortgages or whatever you're doing, the more you become just a kind of like a counselor. I don't really sell anything anymore. I talk to people. Sometimes they buy something. Sometimes they don't. I don't really care anymore. It, it works out. Oh, you so, want to yeah. 
and try to provide you know a good match for their needs, not necessarily sell. Right. So I'm not. I'm not in a selling mode. And sometimes I'll have somebody come to me and ask me about a certain type of insurance or policy, and I'll say, you know, if you went in to see a surgeon because you had aches and pains, and he told you you don't need surgery, you should listen to him. You're right, you're right. And if you talk to an insurance agent and he says you don't need this insurance policy, you should listen to him. Because I am paid to sell the policy, but I don't think it's a good idea for you. So listen to me, don't argue with me, do what I tell you. I mean, that's why you go to a professional and someone with knowledge and background, and I agree, we do that on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, on a purchase, it's pretty obvious people have a need for a house, but on a refinance, if somebody is looking to refinance, wanting a consultation, should I do this? Does it make sense? Yeah. You know, just as often we say, no, I probably wouldn't do this. It, it doesn't make financial sense to do this. Yeah, so I, I I think I have a logical approach to most of these things, and I try not to get too emotional about it. I just say, you know, I ask myself, is this something that I would do? I'm an average person. And if it's not something that I would do, then I don't usually recommend it to somebody else. Okay, understood. Well, hey, let's kind of hop right in. This podcast is to help families, military families in particular, understand the real estate process, purchase process, and in this case, also protecting themselves. So what would you say if you had somebody come in looking to purchase a home, home buyer, or even homeowner, what's like the number one most important thing they should know or even ask about insurance? Well, I think the most important thing is to find somebody that you can trust to talk about it. I mean, if I'm going to go to California, I get an air, on an airplane and I assume that the pilot knows how to fly the airplane. I'm putting my confidence in him. I'm giving him my life. And there's certain things in life that you need a professional to help you with. And it's funny because sometimes I'll have a client ask me about something and they'll say, well, I looked it up online and it said it was this or it was like that. Well, Wait, hold on. You're saying the internet yeah. isn't always truthful and accurate? And I think I had, I had like, in one week I had three different people tell me this. It was like they all come in bunches where people I can't even remember specifically what they were what they were now. But and I said, okay, we'll talk about it next week or at some point, because you're gonna find out that what you think is not really the way that it works. Yeah, exactly right. You mentioned life insurance. That made me think back to my Army days. We had SGLI, Servicemen's Group Life Insurance, which that protects military members while they're active duty, fairly low cost premiums, et cetera. Are there any unique aspects that a military member has to keep in mind if they're looking for just regular civilian life insurance? Okay, so the question of life insurance always comes down to your insurability. 
If you are a healthy person who is very insurable, then it's to your advantage to go through the underwriting process and prove your insurability. SGLI is convertible to VGLI without proof of insurability. So when you don't have to prove your insurability, whoever is underwriting that policy has to build in some kind of protection because the people that tend to take VGLI are people that are not as insurable as other people. Okay. Interesting. Okay, and that goes for a lot of times with group insurance where you have a conversion option out of any, any type of state or federal benefit or maybe a corporate benefit at retirement, you might have options. If it's convertible, it sounds like a great thing. You don't have to answer any questions. You don't have to do any exams. But remember, you're going into a pool of people that don't do those things. Okay. And so the insurance companies kind of got to they've got to cover themselves for that. Higher risk, higher cost. Maybe higher, maybe a higher rate. Yeah. So in other words, they should consider that, but maybe also shop around. Maybe so. Yeah, if they're healthy. Now, on the other hand, if you're somebody who's been through the ringer, and uh, my son used to say to me, "It's not the age; it's the mileage." That's right. <laughs> and you're not in the best of health, and you have a conversion option like that, it might be the best idea for you. I just heard a quote that I really liked. It was, "You don't stop walking when you get old." You get old when you stop walking, oh, yeah. like when you stop being active and fit, exercising yeah. physically and mentally, that's when you get old. And I see that a lot, you know, with uh, even you know, folks in my family as they age, especially the males, if they're not busy and active, they go downhill really fast. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. Right, back to insurance, we digress there. Let's talk about uh, homeowner's insurance. That's certainly significant for our audience. A homeowner's insurance policy, uh, you know, we, we all have that on our house. If you have a mortgage, you have to have it. What's that cover? What does it even do? Well, the, the biggest thing that most people think of when they think of homeowner's insurance is something happening to their house like a fire or a storm or a flood or some kind of damage to their house and they want it to be fixed. They want to insure against that happening. Homeowners insurance covers some of the things I just mentioned that homeowners insurance covers fires, it covers wind, storms, hail storms, doesn't cover floods though. That's a separate policy called a flood policy. Does it cover things that you typically wouldn't think of? Like, oh, that could have been covered by my homeowner's insurance. I didn't think about it. Maybe, maybe it does, but I gotta say the counseling that I give to people is I try to describe insurance as something that you use when there's a severe problem. Your house burned down, your house had fire damage, your house had storm damage. But for little things, it's really not a good idea to use an insurance policy because the insurance company is going to get it back from you if you use it for that those kind of things. 
I mean, you know, you've heard the thing, Kevin, I invite you to lunch and I pick it up. It's really not a free lunch, you know. No such thing as a free lunch. I've got something in mind. Right, right. And when the insurance company uses little gimmicks to, to attract you to that policy that don't really pay that much, but they sound good, well, it's built into the cost. Right, right. So I don't usually recommend these little tricks to get your insurance company to pay for things. I think you should have the largest deductible that you can stand to have. I agree with that completely because it saves you money and you really don't want to file a claim unless it's something almost catastrophic. Right, so there's no, there's no secret tricks to getting money out of your insurance policy. I talk to people sometimes and they say, well, I've had this policy for all these years. Paid and paid and paid into it. Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful? You have not had a claim. Would you rather have had your house burned down? Of course not. Would that, would, would that have made you feel better about your insurance policy purchase? Right, right. I don't think so. It wouldn't make me feel better. And what about an investment property? Let's say I'm buying a, a rental that I'm gonna you know rent out, uh, or maybe I'm a you know military person that's moved uh, from state to state and I'm keeping the prior property. Is insuring an investment property different? And isn't there a thing called like rent loss insurance or something? Yeah. So in, insuring an investment property is different in that, first of all, when we go back to the homeowner's policy, it covers your home, the, the, the walls and the studs and the plywood and the bricks and the floor, the roof, but it also covers everything that's inside the contents. So if King Kong was to pick up your house and shake it, the stuff that falls out is contents. Okay. And that's your appliances, that's your furniture, that's your clothes, that's your TV, whatever, right. all of that. And so when you have a homeowner's policy, you want to make sure that you have good coverage for your contents. But if you have a, a an investment property, most of the time you don't have very many contents. So the coverage for contents is less. Okay. Because if I have a rental property, I might have a washer dryer in there. I might have a refrigerator, but that's about it. Everything else is part of the house. The HVAC system is built in. It doesn't come, it doesn't fall out when I shake it. Right, right. Okay. Um, so, those things are covered under the dwelling. You don't have as much contents coverage in a, an investment property, what's called a landlord policy or a, a dwelling policy. Now, what if I want to purchase that property and hold it as an LLC? You know, sometimes with investment properties, people will hold the property as a limited liability corporation to do just that, limit their liability. Does that change the type of insurance that they would get? No, that's just the, that's just the entity that you put on the application. Okay. Now, when you put when you put the entity on the application, they're also going to ask for the primary member of the LLC, and they're going to ask for that person's information because homeowner policies, automobile insurance policies, even life insurance policies are rated based on your credit worthiness. Interesting. And so 
it's funny, people that are responsible with their money are usually responsible about a lot of other things. Has it always been that way? Have they always check credit and such? No, it hasn't always been that way, but I think, you know, we're in, we're in an age of that most things are more sophisticated now than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so insurance underwriting was simpler back then, not as many questions, not as many places to look up information, not as many places to get information instantly. Uh, it's crazy the information that is out there. In our world, we run what we call, we nickname it the fraud report, uh, but it's really just kind of a, a comprehensive background check and the stuff that it can find. Now, we're not looking for a criminal background or anything of that nature, but every home that you may have possibly been associated mm -hmm. with, people you've been associated with, and we look at the home buyer slash mortgage borrower. We're looking at the real estate agents, the title and closing company. We search everybody on every transaction. It's it's crazy how much information is out there at the click of a few buttons. Yep, yep. So, so I mean, the old saying was to keep your house in order. You know, take care of your things, and it's more important than ever because if you if, if there's an aspect of your life that you don't keep in order, it's not very easy to keep it a secret anymore. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's really difficult for other people not to find out about it. And some of these things are out of our control. And you manage them the best that you can. But uh, the things that are in your control, try to take care of them. Because... Insurance premiums are a necessary thing, but I'm not in favor of paying any more to an insurance premium than is absolutely necessary. Right. Yeah, you want to have the safety net of coverage, but also balance that with cost. Right. Yeah. Everything's a balance. And you think there's a safety net some people miss that they should consider? So if you're multi-lines, like what's something outside of your home and auto that people should maybe just think about or ask questions about? The number one thing that people miss, and this goes back to your homeowner's policy. So on a, on a homeowner's policy, you have coverage for the dwelling. You have coverage for the contents, which we covered. You have coverage for loss of use. If that house is damaged by a storm or by a fire, you can't live it anymore. The loss of use benefit pays for you to live somewhere else. But, but the other basic coverage that you have in that homeowner policy is liability. It's your basic liability policy for things that might happen in your home or other places that you are. It's a personal liability protection. Okay. Okay. Well, the other, another place you have liability coverage is with your car insurance. Your car is the most dangerous thing that you own. And I would say your cell phone is too, because I see the commercials from accident lawyers all the time. And I, I forget the exact statistic, but they were advertising like 60 some or 70 some percent of auto accidents nowadays are distracted driving cell phone related. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
the difference between the cell phone and the car is that the car is capable of traveling at 100 miles an hour. Or even at 30 miles an hour, it can do a lot of damage. Yeah, especially if you're looking yeah. at your phone. And if you're, you know, if you're looking at your phone. So, so liability coverage is what protects you if you do something stupid, like look at your phone and you hurt somebody. Or it could be some, it protects you for something that you really wasn't your fault, but you're still being accused of doing something. And they can track that now too, can't they? Like on your phone, you know, they can track when the accident happened and see what activity was happening on your phone. Uh, at least I've seen that in the movie, so I guess yeah, it's real. You're getting back to Big Brother. Yeah, I think Big Brother is out there. Uh, and another local attorney advertises that they have access to all the traffic cams. So yeah. if you're injured in an accident, they'll access that, all the they'll, traffic they'll look for it. They'll look for it all, yeah, if they can find it. And there's very few things that you can do nowadays that you're not on the camera somewhere. Are we on the camera right now? We see, are on the see, camera see, right now. prove my point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. doing a podcast. We're just talking, but there's a camera watching us also. So you know, I mean, if I was going to you know think about picking up something, you'd see it. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to liability. Okay, seriously. Oh yeah, liability. Seriously, yes. this is the thing that people overlook because. When you call a number or go on a website to save 15% on your car insurance, the legal limit for liability in Virginia is like $50,000. So there's people driving around out there. They get into an accident, they hurt you, and their insurance policy will pay $50,000 to help you. Wow. You could knock out $50,000 in a day or two in the hospital. Or even just get into the hospital if you were really hurt. Wow. It could cost that much just to get you there. Now, if their insurance stops paying at the 50, does your car insurance step in afterwards? Yes. So you have something called uninsured motorist protection on your car insurance. But if you've only got 50000 that's not a real that's not a real good idea because kevin you've got a few bucks in the bank you've got some properties you've got retirement accounts you've got things they may come after all of it they come back after all of it you're gonna you wind up becoming the insurance company okay you are the insurance company i don't want to be an insurance company nope I don't want to do that. I'm okay being an insurance agent. I don't want to be an insurance company. And I worked hard for stuff. I don't want people taking it away. So the, so this is the situation. You're going down the road, pick, pick a road, Jamestown Road. And the two lane road just kind of going down the road. There's this kid on a bicycle on the right side. You're just kind of minding your business. And then he takes a left turn right in front of you. Now, whose fault was it? This could be a difficult question to answer. But if this person is hurt seriously by your car, the first people that are going to get involved is your car insurance company. They're going to be all over it. 
So it's a $50,000 liability limit. The temptation is for them to just write the check and get rid of it. Make it go away. All I gotta do is write a check for 50,000, they're done. I want this to be the insurance company's problem. So if I have $300,000 or half a million dollars in liability, they're gonna be fighting a heck of a lot harder. Or more. Yeah. Or more. Yeah, and where that, where that comes into play is some, something called an umbrella liability policy. It goes over all your things that you insure, your house, your car, your rental properties, your boat, your jet ski, your motorcycle, whatever it is that you have. And so it's an additional liability limit on top of the responsible liability limits that you already have on your car insurance and your home insurance. Because you talk to a good agent who, who wants to protect your things from disaster. So what if I'm not a homeowner? What if I'm renting? Is there a coverage I should have as a renter? Most, most of the time, if you're renting like an apartment complex or someplace like that, they're going to require you to have a renter's insurance policy. If you're renting from your aunt or your uncle or your brother or something, they might not require you to have it, but that renter's policy is going to cover the contents that you own in the house that you're renting or the apartment that you're renting, it's going to cover you for that basic liability. So. Very good. <coughs> all right, now, military folks, we hear all the time about these big military, we'll say related uh, banks, credit unions, etc which really we know they're just really good at marketing to military individuals. They're military marketing experts, uh, but one big one, uh, they provide insurance as well. So what's the advantage of me calling a good local experience insurance agent versus going to the folks that, oh, you know, I'm military, I'm gonna use you know who. Well, I mean, I don't mind mentioning names there are some four letter companies that we're familiar with they're very good in a lot of cases um i don't i don't like to talk my competition down i mean there's plenty of yeah, but, business out there for all of us and a lot of them do a great job but why is it better to consider somebody local well, it's better to consider somebody local that is that is looking to take care of your best interests. And that could be a local person or it could be somebody that works for one of these other companies. Yeah. Plus you can get <coughs> all good. Plus you can get some consultation. Uh, a little bit more of a broad spectrum, not just providing exactly what you asked for. Yeah. I mean but it, I don't like to just generalize is what I'm saying. Okay. You can't you can't say, well, just because they're with this insurance group or that insurance group or just because this person is independent and that person is independent, that doesn't mean that they're going to give you good advice. Okay. There's no magic potion for that. Right, right. Good, good. Have you ever insured anything like wild and crazy? Like you hear stories about celebrities, insuring arms and legs 
Uh, have you ever done anything unique or interesting that you no, think of? I don't have very many celebrity clients. Um, I wish I could tell you a good juicy story like that, but I do use Lloyd's of London for like waterfront properties and things like that. Well, I guess as an insurance agent, your goal would be to not have anything that interesting, like no wild claims or stories. You know, I guess your relationship with your insurance agent, if it's kind of lame and boring, that's a good relationship with your insurance agent. Yep, I like for things to be as, as boring as possible. Very good, very good. <laughs> well, uh, flood insurance, we did talk about that uh, briefly. You mentioned your homeowner insurance may not cover a flood. How does flood insurance work? Where do you get that? And what, you know, how does, how does that cover things your homeowner's insurance doesn't? Okay, so a flood is water damage that comes from beneath you. In other words, if there's a storm and a tree lands on your house or a limb lands on your house and breaks a hole through your roof and then the rainwater comes in, that's not a flood because the water is coming from above. Okay. 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 But when the water rises from beneath, that's a flood. And that could be tidal flooding, which we have a lot of around here. It could be um, storm drainage, like we just have a downpour and the, and the culverts and storm drains can't handle it. Or it could be caused by some kind of man-made occurrence, like a dam breaks or something like that. But any of those things can create a flood. And if you have a flood where the water rises and damages your house, it's not covered by homeowner's insurance. It's specifically excluded. And so in that case, you need a flood insurance policy. Now, the geological survey, FEMA, makes these things called flood zones and flood maps. And so when you go looking for a house, they will tell you that it's in a particular zone, flood zone. And that could cause the mortgage company to want you to have flood insurance. You have to be real careful about that because somebody calls me and asks me, what's a flood insurance policy going to cost for them? I'll say I can only give them an estimate. It's going to cost between $500 and $5,000 a year. And they say, well, geez, that's a wide range. I said, well, because I don't know anything about where the house is, what zone it's in, what kind of steps are taken to mitigate flooding. It could have big vents that allow for floodwaters to flow through the foundation. Could be on stilts. There's a lot of things that go into the rate for a flood insurance policy. Interesting. You mentioned mortgages. I'm just looking at your All About Bob card here. It says you have mortgage cancellation plans in the event of death or disability. Oh, then we're going back to the life insurance. Since we're talking housing, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, military families, any family, 
Is that something that in case something happens, death or even disability, it takes care of the mortgage? Well, it's a, that's a, it says it's a plan. So what you should be thinking about is a plan. If, if it's your objective to have that mortgage paid for if you die or if you become disabled, one way to plan for that is to have life insurance or disability insurance. And that's something we can talk about. Sometimes an occupation is insurable for disability insurance and sometimes it's not. But that's something that I've got to deal with individually with person. Interesting, interesting. I, I mean, I've certainly learned a lot. It's been a great discussion. I do have a final question I always close with, but anything else you think we should chat about? Any Anything home buyers, homeowners, military families should know about insurance that we haven't covered? No, I can't think of anything. I think the thing I would emphasize is to find a good professional person that you trust. Here's my favorite last question. Someone new's coming to the area, military's PCSing in, or you know, just someone relocating to the area. What is your favorite thing about living here in Virginia? What do you love? What do you recommend people check out? Like, why are you passionate about being here? I think that we have a lot of variety here. Uh, that could probably be said about a lot of places, but we're in reach of the ocean. We're in reach of the mountains. Uh, Williamsburg itself is just a very nice community to live in. And we, we're, we have everything that we need, but we don't have to get caught into the, in the traffic that's to the south and to the north or west of us. That's true. So that's why I like it here. Yeah, you can hit the beach in the summer. You can hit some ski mountains in the winter. Arguably, if you're a big skier, you know, we may not have the best mountains around, but it's enough to go for a weekend or something and have a good time. I completely agree. It doesn't get too hot. doesn't get too cold. It does get too hot. And it gets really <laughs> humid. Uh, we do have our humidity. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize I've always been on the East Coast, born and raised in Delaware, been in Virginia. I didn't realize how much I'm accustomed to humidity till I went where there wasn't humidity. I went to Arizona and I thought I was just going to like shrivel up. You know, it's the first time in my life I've used chapstick and lotion. Yeah. It was just, I couldn't believe it was like, oh my goodness. I need to get back to moisture. But I was in San Diego in July, and I was thinking, it's going to be so dry, and it'll be hot, but it'll be dry. But it was humid there when I was there. Hmm. It, it's, it, can be, it, it can be really deceiving. Interesting, interesting. Hey, man, it's been great chatting. Uh, if people want to get some more information from Bob, how do they find you? It's bobtassone.com, B-O-B-T-A-S-S-O-N-E. Com. My phone number is 757-870-3521. That's Port Insurance and Financial Services? Yep. Very good. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. It's been great chatting, and I will definitely have to have you back again. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. That wraps up another episode of Got Your Six Real Estate Podcast. Remember, you can find new episodes every week at gotyoursixrealestatepodcast.com. If you found value in today's insights, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Until next week, this is Kevin Amazon, and remember, we've got your six.